0: presented by grace point church in lakewood ohio we are located at the intersection of warren and Alger, and welcome you to visit us in person or online at gracepointlakewood.com that's g-r-a-c-e p-o-i-n-t-e l-a-k-e-w-o-o-d dot com listen to podcasts of sermons from our pastor mike bartolone and various guest pastors you will see that grace is always the point, and you are always welcome.
1: Okay, I want to talk to you today about Jesus. How many like Jesus? Jesus is the love language of God. That's my title. Jesus is the love language of God. Apart from God, it's impossible for any of us to establish a proper sense of self worth. We are who we are in relationship to God. Once the God connection is abolished, we sink to our lowest level of existence. And it's easy to see how the church's warped view of God could cause many people to reject him. We see that in our world today. A lot of people get a distorted view of God. A lot of people think God is mean. He's angry. He's going to punish you. If I walk into the building, the walls are going to fall down. You know how many times I hear that from people who... Don't come to church regularly. See, the more, the more appropriate thing would have been established, to be established, is a more biblical view of God. Who is God, really? When Moses cried out to God in Exodus and said, Show me your glory, what was God's response? He said, I will pass by you, and you'll see my back parts. But you're only what you're going to see when you see my glory is the goodness of who I am. The goodness of God. However, trying to understand God from an archaic, twisted doctrine of the church would have been like coming into a very complicated thriller movie in the middle. In order to understand God's relationship with man, we have to go back to the beginning. One of my best friends, Darren Hufford, years ago wrote a book that really has become a bestseller. It's called The Misunderstood God. You know how many people misunderstand who God is? They don't, they're afraid of Him. They don't know Him. And in order to understand Him, we have to go back to the beginning. We must understand how God intended for man to live and function. Mankind has always been plagued by questions about God's view and opinion. Historically, the church has represented God as having a very negative view of man. But that was pretty much changed when Jesus came because Jesus was a man. Even scientists have considered man to be so insignificant that they've taught us we could not possibly be the only intelligent life in the universe. There must be aliens. Why are they searching for aliens? Because they don't think man's worth much. The church, science, and even humanists have never even grasped a glimpse of God's highly favorable view of mankind. In fact, it's impossible to see the glory the glory of man apart from the glory of God. Let's go to Psalm verse eight. Psalm yeah verse. Psalm chapter eight. Excuse me. Psalm chapter eight, or Psalm eight, however you wanna terminology it. We'll terminology it that way. Psalm 8. If you have the right Bible, it's on page 758. (laughs) If it's anywhere closer, 700, that's good. But Psalm 8 begins like many Psalms. It praises and acknowledges God. I just challenge, I'll challenge, give you a challenge. Open the book of Psalms sometime and just read the first verse of every psalm as you go through. You'll see more about God in those just that one verse in every psalm all the way through. Just a powerful revelation of who God is. But Psalm eight begins this way it praises and acknowledges God. But this psalm unfolds a special A specific idea. The first verse acknowledges God as supreme creator of all of heaven and earth. It says, O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth. Didn't we sing about his name and shout to the Lord? Don't we sing in a lot of our songs, his name is above all names? There's no other name. Love has a name song his name is Jesus who have set who have set your glory above the heavens O Lord our Lord how excellent is your name in all the earth the psalmist of this passage then contemplates the question of all questions and the next few verses let's go to verse 2 out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants, you have ordained strength. Because of your enemies, that you may silence the enemy and the avenger. How do we silence the enemy and the, and the avenger? Praise and worship. Out of the mouth of babes. That's what we're... That's, he's, he's talking about us. And verse 3 says, When I consider your heavens the work of your fingers the moon and the stars which you have ordained. What is man that you are mindful of him? And the son of man that you visit him. For you have made him a little lower than the angels. That's another place to circle in Mark because in the original Hebrew the word angels is not angels. It's Elohim. The Godhead. And you have crowned him with glory and honor. Many a person has stood under the canopy of a beautiful star-filled heaven and has pondered the great scope of creation, has been overwhelmed with the feeling of gross insignificance when you see. I don't know if you've ever stood at night outside in the dark and just seeing the mass of the universe. As if creation itself is not enough to dwarf our sense of self, add the fact that a mighty God created it all. But the question remains to be asked, if a being great enough to create all that exists, what could I possibly mean to him? How we answer this question strikes the core of our very existence answer it negatively, and we spend our life groveling at the feet of Almighty God, forever reminded of our insignificance. Life becomes filled with begging for undeserved favor and benevolence. Our faith becomes a millstone dragging us to the depths of despair instead of liberating freedom it was meant to be. See, I believe the remaining verses of Psalm 8 were God's revelation to the psalmist. How many know who this might have been? One word. One guy who spent a lot of time in the fields with his sheep. David. David. And in these verses, the question is forever answered. Our sense of self worth should be forever changed by. These verses. Consider again verse 5. For you have made him a little lower than the angels. I said to you, the word translated as angels comes from the Hebrew word Elohim. Elohim. And this word is used to describe the Godhead. This verse is not saying that man is a little lower than angels. It is saying that man was created just a little lower than the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So on the spectrum of significance, man is quite significant. And the angels were created in because there was no angel that was ever created as you and I were. It says in the book of Genesis that we were created in the likeness and in the image of God. Man was created in the likeness and the image of God. No angel was created that way. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 1. We'll be back. You can put something in Psalm 8 because we're coming back there. That's why God gave you ten fingers. If you don't have a marker or a tassel, you can use your fingers, right? You can stick a pen there or something. I know Hebrews here. Here he is, Hebrews. Hebrews 1. Where are you at Hebrews 1? There you are. Hebrews Titus, Hebrews. Philemon, Philemon, Shuliman. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 14 says, talking about angels, Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for those who inherit salvation? How many know when you're born again you inherit salvation? It was provided for you. And it talks about angels here. Of course, we can see it all through the Bible. Angels are sent to serve us, to minister to us, to protect us from harm's away. Even though you can't see them, they're all around you all the time. Especially when you're driving. I remember one lady years ago, she had come to church, and she, we, were, we were doing some kind of teaching classes, and she said I, she was going home, and she said it was, there was a blizzard on 90 as she was heading home. And she said she thought she was going to get in this horrific, there was a horrific accident in front of her. She didn't know how she could stop her car or what, what was going to happen. She felt something: push her car, two lanes over, go all around the, the, the crash site and take her on the other side. She said she never did it. She felt like angels pushed her car and brought her right around the side without a crash. See, God created man to be like Him. God created man to be like Him. In fact, the last part of Psalm 8 verse 5 it says it's it essentially says to understanding God's will for man's emotional makeup because He says and you have Crowned man, him, with glory and honor. We are crowned with glory and honor. See, God did not create man to live like a slave or simply a servant. He created the man to live as royalty. As such, He said He crowned man with glory and honor, dignity and worth. The expository Bible commentary says of this verse, says it it and defines it this way. The dignity of man is a gift from God. The dignity, your worth, your value, who you are as a man. So when a man is born again into the kingdom of God, adopted into the family of God, a man is born of royalty. He also is royalty. Man was birthed from God Almighty. God breathed some of who he is into us. His very character, his very nature, his very likeness, his very image. He imparted to us all these things. He imparted us to be his family. That's why we can call him Abba, Daddy. Amen. He's more than just an object. He's a part of our family. He is my dad. He is my father. And when I'm hurting, I can crawl up into his lap and put my head on his breast, on his shoulder, and speak to him like a son would speak to his father and say, Dad, I need some help here. I don't know what to do. Please show me. What's, What's the best decision I can make concerning my future, where I'm headed, where I'm going? What you're doing in my life. How can I solve this issue that's happening in my you know my workplace? I don't know how to solve it. What what is the best you know best way what's the best path going forward? Please help me. See, we were so much like God that He intended that that, that He gave us dominion over planet Earth. We were to rule and reign in His steed. The psalmist, let's go back to Psalm 8. Let's go back there. I don't know how I got diverted to Hebrews. It must have been them angels that diverted me. Psalm 8. Verse 6. Let's go Psalm 8, 6. What does it say? You have made him to have dominion. Rule and reign over the works of your hands. That means over all of creation. You have put all things, say all things, under his feet. All things. We do not reign supreme over the planet earth by a random act of evolution or by accident or by surprise. God gave us Dominion. To rule and to reign. We may, in a lot of ways, misuse it, but we received it because God established it and we have dominion. We have dominion. Adam did not rule the earth by force, he ruled the earth with confidence. He had the knowledge of who he was and he walked in it. There was no question in his mind that he was in charge. His ability to rule and to reign with certainty was the result of understanding his relationship to God. He was a son. How many of you know if you're a son, you're part of the family? If you're a daughter, you're a part of the family. And you have access to everything he has access to. That's why it says in Luke 15, 31, he says, All that I have is yours. That's what he told his sons. In that parable, Luke fifteen thirty one. all that I have is yours. We have all met people who feel completely right about themselves. They walk in as if they own the room. They have no need to impress. They seem oblivious to anything or anyone other than where their attention is focused. Everything seems to go right for these people. Such are the lives of these people that that they have a positive, a healthy sense of self-worth. And we mistakenly assume that they feel good about themselves because everything goes right for them. But the truth is, it's just the opposite. They have found their self-worth, and from that flows their success. And the Bible affirms this. It says in Proverbs 4.23, he says, he says, Your heart affects everything you do. Your heart affects everything you do. And on the other hand, people with no self-worth destined themselves for failure. Proverbs 17.20 says, The person whose heart is not straight or not on, on target with God's word, their view, their opinions, will never find good. Will never find good. But he is the person from whom things just don't seem to work out. His fate is doomed by the beliefs of their heart. I don't know if you know this or not, maybe you do, but the United States Army has a slogan. Be all that you can be. Everyone committed to becoming the person they really want to be is attempting to live that slogan. Yet for so many today in our world, their ability to live their potential seems to evade them. They do so many of the right things. And their potential is obvious. I mean, I know people that, when I look at them, their potential is obvious. But they can't see it. All they can see is defeat. All they can see is negativity. All they can see is sickness and setback. They can't see that God has made them more than a conqueror. That they're the head and not the tail. That they're more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. And they somehow never seem to really be all they can be. I call these people potential people. It's a term that describes those who have great potential but never seem to be able to fulfill it. I believe those are sons and daughters of God. I just don't think we've really grasped who we are. Because once we grasp who we are, there will be no negativity in our our lives. There will be no things that we can't do. I mean, we're, we have a Father we could pray to at any time and ask for an answer. What am I trying to say? Potential is simply potential. In truth, Scripture admonishes us to depend only on those who have proven themselves reliable. And having been born again, we're filled with all the wisdom, anointing, and power of God. Having been born again. You got it all. The fullness of the Godhead dwells in you. You are complete. Let's go to that scripture. I, I don't even have it in I don't even have this in there, Julie. I'm sorry. This is spontaneous. You'll have to blame the, the Holy Spirit. Let's go to Colossians chapter two. I know some of you know this one well because it's one of my favorites. Colossians chapter two. Verses 9 and 10, it says, For in him, who is him? Jesus. For in Christ dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, all the ingredients, all the gifts, all the fruits, all, all, all. How do you spell all? A-L-L. What do you got? You got it all. You don't need to take a spiritual gift test to see what gift you got. I'm going to save you some time. I'm going to save you some money. You got it all. You don't need to figure out what fruits you have. You're a fruit no matter any way you look at it. Let me tell you what fruits you have. You have all the fruits. That was sure big business at one time. Big business for church industry. Let's go to the conference and find out what we got. Didn't read our Bibles. It says we got it all. Verse 10 says, of this same chapter, Colossians 2.10, it says, And you, say me, I am complete in him, in Christ. I am complete in Christ. Say that. I am complete in Christ. What's stopping your completeness? This monster in the middle of these two ears. And the heart. I'm going to tell you what, God is a heart God. See, the next move of God that's going to happen on planet Earth, is going to happen because our hearts are right with God. It's going to be a heart, heart revival. That's the next move. And you are, it says, and you are complete in him, in Christ, in God. Because, listen, listen, let me help you. Everything that Jesus got from Abraham, which he inherited, all of Abraham's promises, are in Christ. And when you were born again, everything that was in Christ is in you. Even all of Abraham's promises. We don't lack anything. No lack. We should learn to pray different because we should never pray from a lack mindset. Most Christians, listen to them pray, always pray out of lack. What they can't get, what they don't have, what they need, they don't realize what they have. You could save a lot of time. Just, just, for, just for one instance, just kick the devil to the side. Quit fighting the devil that's already defeated. Jesus said he came to destroy the works of the devil. 1 John 3.8. Was he successful or did he make, did he did not fulfill his, what he did? Was he able to do it? It is finished. It is finished. It's done. My question as believers, why do we keep resurrecting a defeated devil? He's defeated. We could spend our time doing a lot of other things like praising him and rejoicing and thanking him for all of his goodness and trying to figure out what in the world are the 7,700 promises in the Bible that are mine. And then when I see one, I could rejoice and thank God for them. For you are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. Everything that God is comes into us. Poof. I'm Doughboy, you know, that big Dough, Pillsbury boy. I got it all. To live out our dreams and serve his kingdom. And if we could just find a way to simply be who we really are down inside we would no doubt soar beyond our wildest dreams. I think if you let that, that little doughboy boy go, you'd see him go right into the skies. See, the grace of God is in us, potentially empowering us to conquer every situation. I'm going to say it again. The grace of God is in us, potentially empowering us To conquer every situation. But that potential must be realized or it becomes nothing. Nothing more than the cause of frustration. See, the beliefs in your heart create the boundaries of your life. The beliefs in your heart create the boundaries of your life. Let's go to Matthew chapter three, verse seventeen. Matthew three seventeen. Woo! I'm having fun. I'm also sweating like a woo. Three seventeen. My 3.17. Oh, that's right. Uh, and suddenly, the suddenly. Where there's suddenlies, that's, you know, I'm living there. I live on suddenlies. I love suddenlies. Suddenlies are real miracles. Matthew 3.17. Just the one verse. Don't try to read before or after it. In fact, you can't read after it. There's no other verses. If you try to read Matthew 3.18, you're in trouble. Matthew 3.17. If you get it, maybe you have an NIV. It might not even be in there. I don't know. It takes a lot of scriptures out, so I don't know. But Matthew 3.17, we see Jesus here in this, these few verses. Jesus, John baptizes Jesus. We see Jesus receiving an approval and an acceptance that created within him his potential that was le- released through him. And here is what it says. And suddenly... A voice came from heaven. I mean, if you got a voice from heaven telling you something, you you wake up. You wouldn't be sleeping at that point and wondering what's going on. A voice came from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. See, the Holy Spirit coming upon Jesus gave him potential power. But it was his father's approval that gave him the personal confidence to walk in that power. And it was the power of approval that catapulted him into fulfilling his potential. It was the power of approval that catapulted him into his potential. This sense of approval is something that causes potential people to become powerful when they start realizing who it is in them who has gifted them and given to them everything that jesus has and was all his power all his care all of his in his likeness in the image of god his very nature how many in this room got some things to think about When you leave here today. Actually, you should be. When you leave here, you should be walking two inches above the ground. So then we can turn all potential that has been placed within us into real power by God's approval and acceptance of each of us. God, you want to know how God approves of you? You want to know how? Jesus. Is inside of you. Let's go to Romans chapter 5. Romans 5. Romans 5 verse 8. Says, but God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Verse nine. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath. You know how many Christians don't believe. That they're saved from the wrath of God? Christians! I'm not talking about unbelievers. I'm talking about Christians. They don't believe it. It's written right here. Here it is. I'm going to give you more evidence so you can't say. I'll give you another scripture so you can't say, where is it written? It's saved from wrath through Him. You there? Let's go to 1st. 1 John, chapter 4, verse 9. You're getting set up, just so you know. 1 John 4, 9. It's not in this verse, so don't look for it here, but we're going to read it. In this... The love of God was manifested towards us. Say, towards me. Towards me. The love of God was manifested. The love of God was manifested. All of God's love is pushing in on you, on us. That God has sent His only begotten Son into the world that we might live through him When we read Romans 5:8, we see that God didn't wait until we performed well enough before he loved us. He came at us and for us while we were still sinners. He wasn't looking for your performance. He wasn't looking for your behavior. You want to know what he was looking for? Your heart. He's after your heart. He doesn't want your lip service. He doesn't want to be your weekend girlfriend or boyfriend. I go to church on Sunday. I just know he loves me. He's not. It's not good enough. He wants your heart. He doesn't, he doesn't want a weekend girlfriend who just gives him a couple of in the offering. Even if you gave him $1,000, it would just be a couple of pennies to him because he owns the cattle on a 1,000 hills. He owns the world itself and every, the fullness of the world and everything in it. He owns all the gold. He owns all the diamonds. And when we were at our worst, God still had value for us. Failure to believe this truth prevents us from experiencing his love and approval. Next verse, verse, 1 John 4.10, this is where it hits about the wrath. Verse 10, say, I'm in verse 10 now, 1 John 4.10. If you notice verse 9 in your New King James and in verse 10, the first four letters are the same. In this love. In this is love. In this love. The In this love, or they're saying, there's just one little word change, okay. The and is, which most people don't put any significance on those words, but in the Bible they're very significant. In this is love, not that we love God, come on, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation. Big word propitiation for our sins the word propitiation there in commentaries that i have in my office say that it means the satisfying of wrath the satisfying of wrath jesus listen jesus became our sin and God expressed all of His wrath for our sins on His Son Jesus. Jesus took all the punishment we deserved. Jesus was the one who was well pleasing to the Father, the one who had personal approval, reconciled us to the Father. Look up the word reconciliation. Do a word study. Do an etymological word study on the word reconciliation. You know what you're going to come up with at the end? An exchange. He did not simply buy us back to God. He bought us back by the process of exchange. God's wrath against sin had to be satisfied. And sin had to be paid for in the body. And the body of Jesus was full payment. Let's go to 2 Corinthians 5. 2 Corinthians 5. Verse 21, First 21, Second Corinthians 5:21. "For he made him, who is him? Jesus. For He made him Jesus, who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in Jesus, in him. Jesus became our sin and took our punishment, and that's part of why he had to become a man. Why did Jesus have to become a man? To pay for our sins, to take the wrath. So we'll never have to take it, we'll never have to pay the debt. It's fully paid. He became all that we were, died the consequences that we should have had. And through this exchange, God made it possible for us to become all that Jesus is. Priest, king, and heir. Priest, king, and heir. And we are now the heir force of God. And that's not A-I-R, it's H-E-I-R. Air force of God. So that we can experience the benefits he deserved. It was a complete exchange. So God's wrath is satisfied. Say that. God's wrath is satisfied. And his approval for us is based on his value for us and not our performance. Not what we do. Not how long we pray. Not how many times we go to church. Jesus was rejected so we can be accepted and we must realize that God approves of us in Christ even if he does not always approve of our behavior. So we too can be empowered by his incredible love as Jesus was when he walked the earth. Imagine with me if you can on knowing your life is at peace with God having no fear of rejection ever again. And this alone will allow you to function without fear. And this is why it is called, this is called the gospel, because it is great news. Great news. And what do we have to do to be saved? Just believe. Just believe. Again, let me say it: real life and real peace comes when we truly believe that God loves and accepts us. Why? Because of Jesus. I like the worship team to get ready because I'm almost. I'm on the last page. And once you are experiencing the power and the approval and the acceptance, let me tell you something: you better expect to win because you have full potential. You have full power. You have full throttle all the way back. I don't care. I mean, I don't know what car you're driving, but I'm driving a Lamborghini. You could have Ferrari. I take a Lamborghini. 185 miles an hour down the road. My eyebrows wiggle when I'm going that fast. And we, really, we truly believe that God loves and accepts us because of Jesus. And once you experience that, you're going to win. And soon, you will approach every task in life with a confidence that says, I can't lose. And even if I don't finish the race first, it still will feel like I did. And nothing in your life will be the same when you believe and experience God's power of approval. And acceptance. His unconditional acceptance because of Jesus in your life. Because of Jesus in your life. And we have this confidence in Christ as a sure anchor of hope. Confidence. And sure anchor. Let's, let me just give you one more scripture and then I'll be done. First John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5, verse 14 and 15. It says, Now this is the confidence that we have in Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. Church, memorize that. This is the confidence that we have in Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. At all times, 24 hours a day, 365 days a year, it doesn't matter where you're at or what you're doing. You could be laying in bed. You could be driving down the street in your car. And if you know, it says, that He hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of Him. One, two, three, four. the fifth word of verse 14. Now this is the confidence. The confidence that we have in Him. The confidence we have in Him. That whatever we ask, according to His will, He hears us. Let me tell you something. You're approved, you're accepted and he has satisfied all the wrath that was against you in him. You're free. You're free in Christ to be all who you want to be. That's why with John 10.10, we can say, Lord, more abundantly. Give me life more abundantly. To the full, to the overflow, give me life to the full, to the overflow. Amen? In Christ. Amen.
0: Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, never stop working. Never stop, never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. When I don't feel that right. you Never stop, never stop.
1: Scriptures to close with. uh, Luke 15.31 again. And he said to them, Son, you are always with me and all that I have is yours. And then in Hebrews chapter 13.20 it says, Now may the God of peace who brought up our Lord Jesus from the dead, the great shepherd of the sheep through the blood of the everlasting covenant, verse 21, make you complete in every good work to do his will, working in you what is well-pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. Have a great week. Hallelujah.
0: Hallelujah. I love that word, Pastor. We are God's mobile homes. I love that. I love that. So each one of us are leaving here and the presence of the Lord abides inside of every house of His. Praise God. His mobile homes.